Hi everyone, I'm Brenda Huang. I'm a product manager at Takara Bio USA, where I manage our stem cell products and services portfolio. For those of you who aren't familiar with our stem cell services, I'd like to give you an inside look at our services and the team behind them. Today, I'd like to introduce you to Michael Hogwitz and Monsa Morel. They are members of our stem cell services team and play a very important role in our gene editing services. Michael and Monsa, thanks for joining me today. Can you describe your roles at Takara Bio USA and specifically within the stem cell services team? Michael, we'll start with you first. Okay, thank you, Brenda, for the introduction. <clears throat> so in the cell biology group, we really try to, in general, develop products that help to monitor or deliver and manipulate mammalian cells, and especially with a focus on iPS cells and human ES cells. So since about 2013, we have worked on developing a complete workflow for all stages of gene editing, for example, via CRISPR-Cas9, which is part of this manipulation of cell focus that we have in the group. When we were developing, or mainly actually Monster was the one developing this, when we were developing these new methods and products, we always had our eyes on applying them on specifically primary cells, iPS cells, and human ES cells. So that was definitely a focus that we had. And because of that focus, our methods have been optimized around the use of those cells. So it's not like we developed strategies and methods and products for all kinds of cells. There was really a focus on those specific cell types. So now we have the advantage that we can now apply those unique tools for the stem cell gene editing service business. And I think that this actually gives us an edge over other service providers. Monsa, do you want to go ahead? Yes, thanks, Brenda. As Michael already mentioned, I'm a scientist in the cell biology group and I've been actively involved in the development of gene editing products. So actually, since the discovery of CRISPR-Cas9, Takarabaya quickly recognized the importance and how could be developed like a really tool changing all the um, molecular biology. Since the beginning, we just developed a lot of uh, products related to that technology. And also we really actively are looking at any research, any new papers, because it's a very quickly transformative technology. And also we just only go to conferences as well. So keeping up to date, as Michael mentioned before, we just develop a whole myriad of products and specifically its application for the most challenging cell lines like iPSC or um, immune cells. Mm -hmm. Great. So we obviously have the experts, we have the expertise, and, and we also have tools to successfully edit stem cells. So my next question is, when a gene editing service request comes in, can you tell me about the process that you go through to determine whether or not we can actually take on the project? Sure. So when we get a request uh, for a service after the customer fill a form, Michael and I will revise the request and then we come up with the different questions that will help us really understand the full scope of the service. And then we have a conference call with the customer, one or the calls that are needed in order to really, you know, know the exact needs of the customer and ensure a full understanding of their needs. And then the next step is to perform a feasibility study. In this type of study, we take into account, of course, the gene, 
um, its expression of IPSCs, possible isoforms, and the genomic sequence. If this service, for example, is a knockout service, we study, as I mentioned before, all the possible isoforms. We talk with the customer if he is interested, for example, in knocking them out, uh, knocking them out, all of them or not. And also, we perform in silico analysis of all the possible single guide RNAs. We study their activity, the prediction of the indels, so therefore to the capacity to generate frame shift mutations as well as of target effects. On the other hand, if the customer is a knock-in, we take into account the single guide RNAs around the insert site. In this case, of course, you just are more limited on your choice of single guide RNAs, usually between plus minus 10 base pairs on the insert side. And then we also talk with the customer about the possibility of perform silent mutations to mutate the PAM or in the seeding region of the guide RNA. This, of course, if the customer agrees and, and found it okay. And also we take into account the length of the insert in order to decide which type of HDR template, which format is the best for this donor. Great, Michael, did you have anything to add? Uh, I, I just want to, to add that what Monza just described is really a, a very detailed analysis of the uh, pro of the project so that we know more or less like how how difficult, how easy, what other complications that we can probably expect. But I think I would like to just uh, make sure that everybody understands that's something that we actually already do even and, and let them the customer know right after an inquiry only. So in this case, the customer doesn't have even signed a contract yet or anything, but we think it is really the most important way to, to communicate with the customer, very straightforward, very open to let them know this is kind of the challenge that a specific project has, these other solutions that we can offer. And as I said, that's already be, that's already done before the customer has to sign any, any contract or anything. So that's just something that both sides know what is what can be expected from that service. Yeah, and that's important because I, I think, you know, if you just take a superficial look at all of these projects, mm -hmm. everything seems possible, right? <laughs> but but you two like really dig deep and identify all of the potential issues that may not be obvious to people who just don't have as much experience as you do. Right, right, so. exactly. And I think I think that's what what is so important to have this done ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Great. So next, can you tell me about some of the gene editing projects that you've either completed or are currently working on? Sure, so we have performed both knockout and knocking services. For example, in the knocking services, we have inserted an undisclosed, we cannot talk about a protein, uh, fused to a GFP in a safe carver. And then soon we will start, for example, a triple knockout in HIPSC cells. Also, I just want to mention that in the context of the development of our gene editing kits, for the last five years, we have performed also a lot of knockouts and uh, knockings. And all these cases information are actually on our webpage available for our customers to look at. So for example, I would like to mention that we performed the generation of specific NIPs that are related to tyrosinemia in HAPSCs, and then we follow it the differentiation of these edited cell lines to hepatocytes. Or for example, we tag endogenous proteins with a MIGDAC. So we have a myriad of different knockouts and knock-ins that we have already performed in the context of product development, as well as already in the gene editing services as well. Mm -hmm. So I know that we've gotten a lot of requests for editing of other cell types, for cell lines, for primary cells, and we don't take on these projects. Why do you recommend editing human pluripotent stem cells instead of a differentiated cell or one of these immortalized cell lines? 
Yeah. <clears throat> so, well, I do think that the, the use of immortalized cell lines, like, like HeLa cells, for example, for scientific research, they will sooner or later, they become kind of part of the past. Those lines often carry really significant genetic alterations, which make it difficult to draw sound scientific conclusions from experiments using those cells. So, I, I think that cell biology research is really more and more driven by using primary cells as well as human and mouse embryonic stem cells and iPS cells, because the use of those cells in experiments is, is really definitely much more appealing because the results that you get from those experiments are much more significant and re really reflect the real biological processes. But of course, there's a very large disadvantage if you think about prime use of primary cells. It is, of course, difficult to get your hand onto those primary cells. And even if you are lucky to get somehow a hold of the primary cells, in most cases, those primary cells can only be cultured for a very limited time. So if you are really interested in editing those primary cells, you just very, very simple. You just don't have enough time to do so because they have this very limited lifespan when they are in culture. And that's where the ES and the IPS cells come in because those cells, they really have the ability to grow in culture and can be passaged for a very long time. In addition to that, they have the capacity to differentiate into the cell type of interest if you have the protocol, for example, for hepatocytes. So if you want to investigate the effect of a specific mutation in a specific cell type of interest, like, for example, hepatocytes, you can introduce a mutation of interest into the ES or IPS cells, and then you differentiate those into hepatocytes. And now that we have those hepatocytes with the mutation of interest, now the researcher can start doing the experiment to investigate the effect of this mutation on hepatocytes. And I think what is also appealing is that you have, if you use IPS cells or ES cells, and then you put a specific, you edit a specific gene in this ES or IPS line, you always have the parental ES line that's not changed on that a specific gene, and you automatically have now an isogenic line that you can use as your perfect control line because you can differentiate now the unedited cells, the parental cells, into hepatocytes as well, and you can compare what effect the mutation has that, that was introduced using uh, gene editing. I would like to add that, for example, now there is a huge and growing application in the cell therapy market as well in order to modify and edit iPS cells and then, for example, differentiate them in specific cell types, like, for example, Aiken cells. And, and I agree, uh, one thing that I also would like to mention is that maybe some people are kind of afraid to really culture stem cells or differentiate mm -hmm. them later on. And I would just like to mention that in Takara Bio, we actually have developed, first of all, a culture media that really allows for an easy culture and expansion of stem cells without the need of feeder cells. It's called actually DevCS Media and really makes it very easy to culture these cells. And for a non-knowledgeable user or no previous experience before, it's very easy to get used to it. And also we have a set of um, kits that allow the differentiation of iPS cells, so for example, to hepatocytes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. And actually, that 
is a perfect uh, way to lead into the next question, which is what are some specific challenges or considerations when it comes to, like you said, culturing or editing stem cells? And how do you suggest getting around those challenges? Mm -hmm. So I, I think, I mean, the first challenge really is, of course, to get if, if you have if you start with the cell population that you have to get as many cells edited as possible so that you have a chance to get to the cell of interest that has the edit that you are interested in. So that's why first it was very important for us to focus on developing our own optimized method and, and reagents to edit ES and IPS cells so that we end up with a high editing efficiency. But of course, I mean, if you think about it, as a customer, if you are asking for an editing service on ES or IPS cells, you are really not interested in some edited cell in the cell population. You really would like to have an edited clonal line. So being able to get a single ES or IPS cell to grow in culture is an absolute crucial, is absolutely crucial in order to get you to an edited clonal line. So without any capacity of single cell cloning, any editing service is really not possible. It can't exist. So for a long time, it was really, really difficult to culture ES or IPS cells starting from a single cell because those cells, they, they either died quickly or in the case that they actually started to grow, most of the time they started to randomly differentiate. And that's, of course, different, uh, something you don't like to have. Therefore, it was really important to have a culture system that allows single cell ES and IPS cloning. Uh, it's absolutely uh, uh, necessary. We were able to develop a culture system that actually allows growing single ES and IPS cells with a pretty astonishing efficiency. And at the same time, they also maintain the pluripotency. And that's the, the culture system that Monsi just mentioned, the DEFCS. And now it's the combination of this single cell ES IPS cloning culture media system and this very unique set of screening tools and reagents that we developed specifically for IPS and ES cells that makes the, the service that we can offer unique. And so really the whole workflow has been developed with the ES and IPS cells in mind. And that's why it works so well with those specific cells. And that's why we, we offer a service for editing that is specifically for ES and IPS cells. Great. So I think it's clear that with, you know, the two of you, with your expertise, you know, with you determining feasibility and with all of these tools that we have, this is really what makes us able to successfully complete these types of services. Well, I think those are all the questions that I had for you. So thank you, Michael and Mansa, for joining me today. Uh, sure. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime. Um, yep. And for those of you who are listening, I hope you learned something about our team. Take care, and that's good science.